You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? Happy New Year to you all. This is the first episode of 2019 for Vox and Hops. This is episode number 14. Today, I sit down with Andrew Garrity. I recorded this interview on the Hell Over Europe tour. This is the first out of seven interviews which I conducted on that tour, which was amazing. Uh, Cryptopsy aborted, benighted, cytotoxin. Then we went to the UK and we hooked up with Unfathomable Ruination and Ingested. We had... Uh, just had uh, the best fucking time. It was one of the best uh, European tours that I've ever done. It was a complete pleasure. Uh, the shows were great. The fans were great. The bands were great. Just, just, just so much fun. Back to Garrity. I met Garrity back in 2016 on the Cannibal Corpse Obituary Cryptopsy Abysmal Dawn tour, where he was uh, dealing with uh, the devil's trifecta, as he calls it. He was uh, driving the band Abysmal Dawn, and he was doing their merch, and he was also also doing some of the TM work for them. So he had his hands very, very full and he was very busy, but uh, we still had time to connect, hanging out at the merch table because I was doing some of the merch as I've been doing sometimes. And uh, we bonded over our love of craft beer. He was the person that first uh, introduced me to the very addictive uh, life-consuming app uh, Untapped. And he also introduced me to something that I didn't know at all, which were chocolate peanut butter stouts. On this episode, he tells me all about his crazy life. Uh, Andrew Gary is uh, a road warrior. He uh, drives bands and bandwagons and vans. He TMs for bands. He does merch. He does uh, stagehand. He, he, he does it all. He likes to fix stuff. He likes to take apart electronical things and put them back together. He knows a little bit about everything and uh, he has a lot to say. So uh, sit back, crack open a cold one and enjoy this Vox and Hops episode number 14 with the one, the only, Andrew Gary. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. What's up, everybody? Here I am, live in Ljubljana. Did I say that wrong? <laughs> yeah, Ljubljana. Thank you. Here we are, live in Ljubljana, episode number 14, Vox and Hops. Today I'm sitting down with Andrew Garrity. Hello, Matt. Merchman Extreme, the guitarist. Uh... Poor one, but yeah. In Wolfenhammer? No, bass in Wolfhammer, guitar player in You Suffer. There you go. And new things coming. We met each other, I want to say, in 2016 on the Cannibal Corpse Tour. You were out there with Abysmal Dawn. Yes, I was with Abysmal Dawn, and oh, what a tour. <laughs> you worked very hard, I'll say that, that's for sure. Yes. Well, if we didn't, uh, there's a lot, lot of work to do on that tour. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of work, fan breaking down repeatedly, driving 14 billion hours, and ugh, I'd sooner not do it again. <laughs> so here we are. Yeah. We have you almost have a day off today because uh, yeah. you normally sell merch for a border on this run, but uh, today we can't sell merch because there's a an weird, in-house merch person. Weird law percentage thing. So so, so you have uh, some time uh, to sit down with me, which is just excellent. Finally, yeah, finally, yeah. I've been I've been like. Procrastinating and having a hard time actually sitting down to get this going, so I'm glad that we're just breaking the ice, moving forward. Yeah, and here we are talking about it the whole tour. Now we have a day to do it. Yeah. So how has this tour been for you? Fantastic. It's fucking busy, but good. Enjoying traveling over Europe again. It's been fuck. I don't know how many years five five six years since I've been back over here. When I was with Exodus last time, uh, 
I was like in the summer doing festival circuits. So it was a lot of jump into a festival, play, leave, and then on to the next one overnight in the bus, wake up, different festival. And this time, as opposed to playing more venues and being able to go out and see some things and uh, hang out more at venues instead of, you know, 80 billion people at a festival riding in golf carts all day and being dusty and muddy. Give people a rundown what you do typically as a merch dude. Okay. For people that don't know what merch I, dudes actually do. I wake do. up super late. Um, uh, try to do as little work as possible. Um, no. Uh, so... Usually before the tour, we get in boxes or we'll get some sort of inventory going and somebody will tell me, this is what we're going to have. Uh, I'll start working on, I have a spreadsheet and inventory system that I've built in Excel or Google Sheets in this tour's case. It's all online um, that I use and get all your merch in, kind of everything before the tour, make sure it matches what the order sheets were. If not, you got to contact merchandise company and you sent me too much, too little. Well, never too much. You never say that, but too little. And then, um, <laughs> Hey, you want to send me free shit? That's your button. That's on you. But, uh, and then you figure out your, your take in boxes, you know, once the tour starts and you design your design, display your display designs and how you're going to mount and show off everything and light it and, you know, put on your price tags and, Depending on the tour, you know, in the States, I have little laminated fancy price tags and lights and everything. And over here, it's more fly-by-wire because I'm not going to bring, you know, hundreds of dollars of things to fly with. And uh, then organize. You've been telling me how much you love the TSA. Oh, God, TSA is the fucking worst. They're they're the absolute (laughs) worst. Even even when you pay for the stupid TSA pre-checks, they hassle me less, but less is a relative term. And... They're just awful all the time. And I mean, one of my favorites is that there's a constant. So I used to have a, a, a money bag that has like a big billet metal lock, you know, and a key that goes into it. And I stopped bringing it because every single time I had it, they would freak out and like flag my bag. Be like, what is this? Like, it's a big knit bag with a lock on it for money shake it hear the change what is that it's coins i thought we described that with the term money (laughs) can you open it no no i'm not going to open it there's money in it you have the highest rate of theft of any government body of course i'm not going to open it i trust you about as far as i can throw you which is not far because if i get near them and try they're gonna arrest me (laughs) but they're just awful all the time their job is just oh it's it's they're they're not my friends i don't we don't get along we're sitting down with a pint right now. Yeah. What, what did we purchase? It's Cheers. Kozel Dark. Kozel 1874 Dark Velkopopoviki. I don't know what the fuck that says. What is that? You try. You try. Velkopopoviki. Now you got it right. Okay. The Kozel. Then the Kozel has a goat on the front, which always makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. It's a goat of a beer. Did I imagine that? He does have a beer. It's a nice. It's, it's, it's a nondescript dark lager. It is. That's what I was saying earlier. It's got a, it's, we got it. It's got, a, it's got a flavor. I don't know what it is. It's very drinkable. Oh, yeah, I can drink a bunch of these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They say it's authentic Czech-tastic. Czech, does it fucking <laughs> say It top, says yeah. Czech-tastic. <laughs> well, I'm excited. Cheers to the Czech-tastic cheers dark to lager. Czech-tastic drunk goat. Uh, but, no, it's good beer cheap which is good so you get all the inventory in you set up your display and then you spend the night slinging merch yeah just trying to talk to people depending on where you're at sometimes a little easier than others but uh 
just trying to move stuff as much as you can and 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 you know engage with fans when you can and sometimes you know they want to sit and chat and you can and it's it's fun and you know enjoy talking to people but every so often you have to politely remind them that there are a ton of other people that also want to do that and so you can't take up too much of the time but i mean you're kind of a a face of the band as it were because they're not necessarily always going to see the band but they're going to see you as it is your job to to sell the merch so you're somewhat representative of the band so you have to it's kind of varies from band to band how to how you can act and get away with it and what what they want to put out there into the the ether of the of the the band diverse or whatever but uh it's usually it's usually a lot of fun every so often you get the lovely drunks that ruin it and want to steal or you know just yell at you about how the band used to be good and, <laughs> oh, it's my favorite absolute favorite getting slurred at how did this all begin for you how did you end up becoming a merch person because you don't just when you do merch you also drive bands drive too. tm i've been a stage manager once uh guitar tech uh i think that's it i think that covers all the jobs uh so this was literally failing up that was that was exactly what it was it wasn't like uh like i always liked music and enjoyed it and wanted to you know be in a band go on tour that sort of thing and uh, i just went to a lot of shows and partied with friends of mine a lot and eventually it one day paid off and somebody was like hey you want to go out on tour and it was a the insane 70 show 72 day just gauntlet trial by fire of a tour and I didn't die, and I didn't hate it, and I, I didn't get paid either. This was, uh, was lots of McDonald's cheeseburgers on the dollar menu sort of tour, but uh, uh, opening band on a five-band bill. Uh, and then I got called after that, like two, three weeks later, to do another one, and then another one. And then there was there was a little bit of a gap for a while where it was kind of off and on, and it wasn't like my steady job. I had you know crappy jobs, like most people that tour get where you can work at a shitty restaurant or you know some warehouse somewhere and then as soon as you get a call for a tour you just uh, fucking quit and then go out and you're like shit i can't go back there ever again or use them as a reference yeah i'm burning bridges oh burn it like fucking sherman's march to the sea dude <laughs> oh just uh but yeah eventually a, a fairly big turning point i guess was um probably like i don't know seven years ago now seven eight years ago something like that Jesus, this was a long time ago. Um, nah, six years ago. I, we, I got a call, and I toured with the Go Tour dudes a bunch, and they'd always been friends. And uh, I got a call from Ben, which I think it was a text message, where he asked me, if he's like, hey, you want to go do some touring? Because they needed somebody. And uh, I spent a couple of years with them. And they're all they're great dudes still. You know, some of the best friends that I've met through doing all this and see mostly Ben fairly regularly in New Orleans and uh, anytime in Austin, run into TA and, you know, Zach and, and Phoenix and Sammy when he decides to leave his house and stop playing with his cats. I'll see him. But uh, that was like a weird turning point where after that, it just kind of all picked up and started getting calls from other bands and managers and label people like, hey, we need you to do this. And, um, Gordon that uh Conrad that did season well he's doing season of Miss now he used to do relapse uh he's been awesome in just without I, I didn't realize that he has told people apparently to hire me and he's called me about tours just somewhat out of the blue like hey do you want to do this it's yours get an email and it's so there's been a good few people that have really 
helped me get to where I am because this is not a job you get to on your on your own. It takes a lot of other people, you know, pushing for you and, and getting your name out there because there's a a lot of people that also want to do this that you're not necessarily competing against, but kind of. But it's because you end up becoming that guy that you're getting called because you're reliable. You're fun to be around. I try. I try. And uh, you keep things interesting and keep people on their toes. Yeah. I mean, but at the end of the, day, end of the day, you're reliable and you're there and you're, I, you know, when you have to be doing the job, you're actually doing the job. I've gotten, I mean, I, it, it was never intentional, but I've definitely gotten known for doing some more of the agreeing, I should say, to do more of the insane job combinations on tour where more than a couple times I've gotten called where it's like, hey, it's short notice. We need somebody to drive TM and merch. And it's like, oh, God, call it the devil's trifecta. It's the worst. It doesn't seem healthy. No, it's, oh, fuck no. My, I am going to die so much earlier than m- most people I know. It's <laughs> so many nights of being awake, you know, or, or days at that point where it's, you know, 20, 22 hours sleeping for six, eight hours, waking up, doing it again, you know, blast last while the sun tour we had a our bandwagon breakdown in atlanta and we basically had to sit there and wait and it was supposed to be atlanta the next day was baltimore and the next day is worcester mass we had to miss baltimore so they drive they bring us a new bandwagon they're awesome about it drove straight from indianapolis well for people who don't know what bandwagons are what what is a bandwagon? it is a super rv it's a it's a modified box truck where they have the cab and the frame and then they prefab uh a sweet home on the back of it where it's got a toilet a shower you've got uh eight bunks uh microwave fridge you know satellite tvs uh, some some couch and table space to hang out and relax you know it's not quite a bus but it's better than sitting and everybody cramped in a van and sometimes you just don't have the budget for a bus but you have you know your production or whatever warrants you to have more crew so you need something a little bit larger and for a long time like cruise america stopped renting rvs to vans so that wasn't an option which i guess they're doing again now I've seen some bands do it with yeah. it, yeah. And I've, I've done a, a cruise. I think it, it was, was a cruise Canada, though. That I yeah. I think the uh, I think it was because too many bands wrecked the RVs that they were <laughs> just like, "Fuck it, we're done." The one that we brought back in after Summer Slaughter wasn't in good shape. I'll, I'll admit to that. <laughs> Please tell me you got the walkaway insurance. <laughs> I think I think we did. I hope so. I hope just so. light it on fire, roll in the parking lot. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I remember getting pushed out of the window by our our ex bassist. Sick. <laughs> yeah, we had a. Uh, last last order tour in the states was psychotic we pulled into a, one of the parking lots and they have the shitty tree branches just hanging down we're supposed to park and they had one of the cruise america so uh me and the lovely lovely todd stern got on psychotic basis and all around touring dude extraordinaire tm with revo and you know a bunch of bands uh just got saws and climbed on top of the bandwagon and the rv and just started like you know sawzalling through trees and shit so we could make room and Got a little carried away, ended up tearing up pallets that it turned out the venue needed, and <laughs> fucking oops. You were just so excited with your saws. Yeah, you know, park the park the bus, maybe day drinking, maybe power tools involved. It's a bad combination, or great combination, I guess, depending on how you look at it, but... <laughs> depends who's... Uh, I don't know, I had fucking fun, so... The finances at the end, it depends who it goes against. Yeah, not, that's yeah. somebody else to worry about. <laughs> Let's talk about beer. Do you remember your first beer? First experience with yeah, hell alcohol? Yeah, Oh God! Oh, alcohol—that's different. That's my my grandpa when I was a child. Uh, he had a little brown jug of corn mash whiskey under the counter, and uh, I was a little kid. And I, there's a video, an old VHS somewhere of this, and uh, he you know, hand, holds the jug up and little 
little child me is like tries it because you don't know any better and then i just went in this <laughs> fucking face like i'd sucked on gasoline and everybody laughed because back in the day you could get away with that shit yeah it's funny yeah it, it's all <laughs> the kid drinking booze <laughs> maybe that explains how i got where i am today but uh oh, of, of my own volition um shit stealing rum from my parents maybe uh like actively drinking to get you know shit housed uh one of my best friends uh growing up had a bunch of property kind of out in the boonies his parents and he lived and we used to throw these big bonfires out there and get a bunch of people drive up and just get shit housed in a big field and uh around the corner was a american staple walmart and so we'd go to the Walmart, that had, and they had a liquor store. That was the key thing. It wasn't like one of those shitty Walmarts with no liquor store. So you'd go in there and get your booze, and we used to get uh, these big 48 racks of uh, natural light, which is fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah, we but, drank a whole bunch of those yeah, in Summer yeah. Slaughter yeah. <laughs> in 2008. When you're like 16, you don't know any better, and you're just trying to get cheap drunk, and nobody has any money because you all work at shitty restaurants, uh, natural light's your best option. And, I mean, it, it gets the job done eventually. But it's not a pleasant experience. <laughs> it was, fuck, it was many years before I realized beer could be more than just, I'm going to drink as many of these as I can as quick as I can and pass out you know, under a table somewhere. I know that we've we bonded on this before, but just to clarify everything, you like craft beer. Oh, God, yes. I like, okay, preface, I like this weird uh, outer bands of craft beer, so... I really love like like hefes and wheat beers and and white beers and things like that. And then I really love stouts and like and I mean like just dark motor oil, thick, delicious stouts. And then like there's some shit in the middle. I'll jump around. Some lagers are great, but like once you start getting into the over hopped world of the last ten years of beer, I just immediately could not give less of a shit. It's like, hey, remember all those other flavors? No, fuck them out the window. Make it bitter. <laughs> Fruity bitterness. Yeah, fruity. What if we cover up the bitterness with more bitterness, but a different kind? <laughs> we'll call it tropical. Yeah, yeah, right? We'll say, oh, no, it's a different bitterness because it's different hops. I don't care what you did. You ruined it. I just want, just balance your shit, man. Like, water, wheat, barley, hops. There's four things. Make them all, well, three of them cause the waters, you know, I mean, it's important, but not, you get what I'm getting at. Um, but hops and the wheat and your barley, just make it a nice balance. It can be bitter. I had a, the other day, oh, fuck, what was it? We had a, Pale ale at one of the venues, very drinkable, very balanced. It had a nice tail of bitterness, but it wasn't like right off that super floral, mm. you know, on the on the nose bitterness. Right when you drink it, and that's just not my thing. It's just about balancing it. Yeah, if you can balance it, I mean, shit. When pale ales first were like a thing for me, it wasn't. I didn't hate them, and then America did what we do best and overdo the shit out of everything. And America, it and, and well, triple IPA, yeah, we got a triple fucking America, and that's you can't even cold hopped. Couldn't even have the pale ale in India pale ale. It's like no, brother, it's gonna be the America pale ale, paler than any pale ale you've ever had. <laughs> it's like I, that. That sounds terrible. Why would you do that? Do you remember the first beers when you started, you know, exploring the craft beers that like opened your mind out yes. from the natural light? I remember the exact day, the bar, the beer. I was there's a place by my house, Brass Tap. Uh, it's a craft beer bar. I used to. Uh, canoodle with one of the bartenders i wouldn't say date um 
but uh, it was a nice place because I could drink a lot, fall asleep, and then go home and well <laughs> to her bar. to her house. Okay, and then <laughs> things happen. Wake up. Oh, my car's at the bar. I guess I gotta go back. And then being a touring person at that point, repeat cycle repeats. Drink, sex, sleep somewhere, start over. I mean, couldn't really complain. But uh, just and to clarify for everyone, I know where do you live? I live in Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Okay. It's not the best place on earth, but it's just crazy enough for me. So I'm just going to never leave and die there. And it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> okay. So do you remember the day? I was sitting at uh, the Brass Tap and I had had a couple beers of varying types. I didn't know shit about beer. I didn't know what made different flavors in beer. None of that it was all fucking news to me. And I mentioned like a couple beers I'd had that I didn't hate. And... Um, they brought me this, like, oh, try this. And they had a, on tap, they had this beer and it was uh, wine Stefaner, just Hefeweizen, oldest continuously brewed beer on the planet. It's like 1060 or something. And wine stuff in Germany, it's, it's, oh, it's just magical. And uh, they gave me a big, you know, hefty glass of that. And it's, it's very, it's fruity, but it's got that spice, like almost like you get like a hints of like nutmeg, cinnamon, allspice, that sort of thing in there. And, Oh, it's just, and it's super drinkable, and it's not the highest alcohol content in the world, but it's none of this three-point half whatever crap. <laughs> and then I discovered they had a, uh, the Vitus, and that was game over after that. The Vitus is like a double version of that. It's like, you know, they're double fucking Hefe, whatever, and, oh, it's fantastic. And that started your quest. Yeah, after that, originally, for literally probably a year or two, I just drank those, and that was it. I didn't drink shit else. I mean, there was that, and then there's my my staple, Miller Lite. Fucking love Miller Lite. Really? Yes. I love. I don't give a shit. Everyone can talk all the shit on cheap, shitty beers they want, but it's either Miller Lite or Coors Banquet. And we had a talk. We actually have talked about this. So me and your country got a little fucking thing we got to work out because for those of you who don't know, you go to Canada and on your beer lists at bars, they will say things like you know Miller Lite, Bud Light, you know Budweiser, Canadian, Kokanee, whatever. Which and I thought, then it will say Coors, and then it says Coors. And the thing is, is the Yellow Belly and the Silver Bullet are vastly different things. One of them is great. The other one is horse piss. <laughs> and I, I fuck, fuck, just cannot say this enough. Fuck Coors Light. It's terrible. Have you ever drank it warm? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've done some drinking in my day to the point where you start throwing <laughs> up weird colors. And Coors Light was definitely involved. Um, but, yeah, so Canada, they just say Coors. And the first time I remember going up there, I was excited. I was like, fuck, yeah, west of the Rockies. Well, yeah, okay, let, yeah, let's get a Coors. And then I get this ugly silver can with red lettering instead of the beautiful golden with blue lettering that I'm used to. And I'm like, what is this? Like, it's a Coors. And I'm like, no, that's Coors Light. And they're like, yeah, it's a Coors. And then it was just, I realized defeat had taken me and I was going to have to drink it. And I didn't want to be that guy, you know, lost in translation or whatever, even though we speak mostly the same language. So I fucking drank it and never, I've never made the mistake again. Cause every time I see it, I know it's just like a tease of disappointment. It just oh, breaks my heart every time again and again. What would be your best craft beer at the moment? My best craft beer at the moment? Oh, I just got handed a cider, so probably this. <laughs> well, that's fucking good. I'm going to get one of those later. Um, <laughs> at the moment, um, I'm actually really, really hyped on, so back home, um, Cigar City Brewing in Tampa 
outside of Ebor, one of my favorite places on earth. I mean, yeah, I'm a little biased, live in Florida, all that, but they're just a fantastic brewery. They have a lot of really good stuff. And they do this series, uh, 110K plus OT over time. And they have different batches each time, you know, 110K plus OT one, two, three. Well, they have one 110K plus OT six. And like a few tours ago before I left, I went in, grabbed some bottles to bring with me and they had the OT six and it's a, a stout that's aged with raspberries in port barrels. And that's something I haven't seen a lot of is the port. You see like, you know, whiskey casts bourbon bourbon and and that adds like that, that sharpness to it. But the port was very, very mellow and it's a fruitiness to it. And it's, it's that with the raspberries and the super, super heavy stout. It added a really, really interesting, uh, like flavor at the, at the end, at the beginning, it's kind of just like a fruity, heavy stout. But then at the end you get this, that like tail of port and it was, oh, it's fantastic. And the problem is is i'm stoked on it and it's a limited batch thing so of course i'm like yes oh i can't get it shit but i think that always makes it even better it really oh it really dude i've had i found in chicago it was the best um like uh chocolate stout i'd ever had and then i I went on untapped as i want to do sometimes and not not so much for the points and all that shit but mostly because i drink a lot and i forget things as people who drink a lot do and um I need to remember, so I have a little robot in my pocket that gives me rewards for being a drunk, but also reminds me of the things I forgot, namely what fucking beer that was. And uh, I remember I looked it up the next day, and I was like, oh, shit, and luckily you can look up venues and all that. And I look it up and untapped, and I see out of production. And I realize, like, oh, sick, one of the best beers I've ever had, other than, you know, finding it again in the next month or so. Good chance I'm never going to have it again. So that was, you know, a wonderful revelation. So it's, it kind of seems to be a theme with me. The Sam Adams, Fine Stefaner, um, Infinium or whatever it was that they did. It's like in a fucking uh, champagne bottle. That was magnificent. Out of production. <sighs> they, just, they just want to tease you. Yeah, they really to get you addicted. They really do. And then you'll spend more next time it comes back. Yeah, like shitty drug dealers. They get you addicted. <laughs> and then they go, oh, yeah, we don't fucking have that anymore. <laughs> man we do have this slightly more expensive thing though yeah we have the slightly more expensive thing but it's going to be gone even sooner than the last thing <laughs> so you should buy more of it yeah you just start scratching your neck like oh, <laughs> scouts do i need <laughs> it's cheaper if you buy it in a 12 pack it is cheaper than you buy it in a 12 pack <laughs> dude if they made if they made a like sam's club or costco for craft beer holy shit yeah. i would be all i mean Patent pending, trademark <laughs> reserved. Don't get any ideas here. But um, no, if they like if I could buy some of those. I mean, a lot of these really good craft beers, the limited batch stuff, they have um, you know limitations on like like uh, they have limitations on like um, I know CCB does Hunapu, and there's like a limited number you can buy of those, and you know then you're that's it, you're cut off. You can't buy any more than that. Really? Yeah. So Hunapu is their one day a year event, and it's based on uh, Marshall Sukov, which is another stout that's really good that they do. And um, I haven't been in forever, but this is Cigar City. Cigar City, okay. the one and only. Um, I think if you, the way they do it now is you have to like buy tickets and there's like a limit to how many you can get. And I mean, part of it was driven by people that were like buying shit tons of them and then putting them on eBay and stuff like that and trying to sell them online. Yeah. yeah the black market of uh, craft beer. Yeah. Well, CCB cracked down on that shit and they're like, fine, you want to, you want to do that? Then everybody pays and they just cut the limit. They put a hard cap on how many you can get. And the way you do it is you actually have to buy X amount of, uh, it's like a package and this package gets you this many bottles. This package gets you this many bottles and that's it. No more, no less. Like it's just that. And really? Yeah, yeah. So you have to pay 
just for those bottles and it's it's a lower number it used to be somewhat unlimited where you just go and i want fucking 10 but now it's you you don't see so much of that weird black market you just see a lot more of like uh even me back home sometimes i have stuff that i'll box on tour and then or bring aged, back yeah or you know, the aging stuff yeah i mean three floyds certainly do a lot of fucking band beers or bands that i'm friends with like uh when pig destroyer did theirs blake gave me a bottle of that and i had it on top of my fridge for a while um you know so there's a obituary did theirs the hopped in half which was uh, that's an ipa that i can get down with i drank a lot of those on yeah, that tour they're so good right <laughs> but no those you keep them and i would have those and i could trade them with people and stuff like that did you ever get the 1349 so the the black ale and the white ale no i didn't know one 6.66 percent the other is 13.49 percent that 13.49% black ale knock you on your ass. So, I can imagine so. Oh, yeah. dude. Yeah. We had, we had, what sucks is they did one uh, in Norway. I think it was, it was I want to say it was Lervig uh, did it. And it's, it's uh, aged with raspberries. Mm. I don't know what it is with the Scandinavian raspberries. raspberries, but I'm not complaining. They're delicious. It's, they it's are, almost like a little bit bitter at they, the same time. They are, but they got this little bit of sweetness. And yeah. Oh, fantastic fruit. One of my favorites. But yeah, so that's, that's a good one. Um, but I just uh, bring stuff back, trade with people, you know, back home. And you see a lot more of that than you do the, uh, you know, illegal secret market opening. It's almost like the early days of tape trading. Yeah, it really is. Instead of, whereas now, like, you have tape trading, you have to record it. And the cop, I mean, minus the whole part where each time you trade, it gets a little shittier. But because that would be terrible. I got this beer. I mean, I guess it does. If you let it sit in the sun and it kind of skunks or it's in a hot room or whatever. But yeah, it's, you know, you have a friend that knows somebody that knows this and, you know, pass along down the line. You can get one. But but you gotta know somebody and then you've got some crazy beer they've never heard of that played a show to 10 people i mean was drank by 10 people you know whatever <laughs> so but yeah it's it's kind of neat and it brings about like uh i've had friends i've known for years that like you lose track of and then you run into it like some weird beer event you're like what the fuck i haven't seen you in forever what are you doing here like i like this beer and it's like well, I have this other beer, and you know, you find out they have a beer you've wanted. In my case, I'm on tour, so I miss fucking everything. And oh, I'll get you one. Sick! I'm going to bring you some beer you've never heard of, and it's going to be amazing. What What is a typical year for you? How like on tour versus off? Oh God! Uh, lately, like fucking the ten months on eleven at the most. I did one year. I left the first week of January, and I got home Christmas Day, and I'm never doing that again. It was straight. Uh, I was probably ho- some one offs. I was, I was home for three days that year, and that was like sitting at my house three whole days. And some of those are like go home, do laundry at like eight p.m., and then be up at the airport at like seven a.m. the next day. And so you're like basically on tour more than all the bands you're out with. Yeah, it's it's a lot of tour jumping. Like I, there's been a lot of go home for a week, go home for like this year will be like currently I've been home like a month and a half. Just, just insane. Yeah, considering what are we in November now? It makes it makes uh, keeping friendships. Oh God, yeah, that's that's. There's one of, more than a few people back home that uh, I've talked to and been friends with, and then you go home. You know, you're home so little, and then they get upset when you're not home, and uh, you know, and then you come home and you're like, oh, you didn't want to hang out. It's like, no, you wanted to go to a show or a bar, which is where I've been for the last fucking months. 
you know what? I want to go anywhere but there. Like, I want to I want to go to the park. Yeah. I want to go to the fucking museum. I want to go watch, go watch a movie. Yeah, so literally, like, fuck, well, fuck movies. I miss. I, I see posters. I'm like, that's going to be sick. And then six months later, it's on fucking Netflix or DVD. And I'm like, when did that shit happen? <laughs> like, man, we were, I was talking to them about it. Mandy came out. I didn't see it. And I see somebody posting a Blu-ray on Facebook. I'm like, what the fuck happened there? Love Mandy. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I'm really excited. Don't tell me anything. It's, some of them think it's terrible. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's more than a few people that have been kind of just, uh, I don't want to say cut off, but I just don't have fucking time for it where it's like they get butthurt because I didn't call them or whatever. And it's like, look. I haven't been home in months. I want to sit on my couch. I want to pet my dog. Maybe barbecue because I was in Florida and we could do that most of the year and drink beer and not be around. I mean, there's something to be said for touring and it's great and I love it and I wouldn't trade it for the world. But you're around a shit ton of people all the time. Even in the bus, in the van, in backstage, you have like almost no privacy. And it's something you get used to and you have to be okay with. You're not long for the industry. But at the same time, when you get home and you're sitting in your house and there's nobody, it's just, just nobody. It's dead quiet and you can relax and i have my dog and i just fucking pet him and that's it and don't want to do you want to go do it never in my life never in my life do i want to do whatever you're about to ask me unless it's do i want to sit on my couch the answer is don't ask me again <laughs> and some people don't really like that and they're like that's not i thought we were friends man well i guess you fucking thought wrong i don't know what to tell you if you don't we, could, we could be friends but i'm not going to go to your event yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not going to go to your i don't want to see your shitty band i don't want to hang out somewhere that you want to hang out at a bar or some something like that it's uh i mean mostly when i'm home i work if i'm doing anything i'm working my my home job i, I repair lights and, 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 and lighting consoles and various lighting uh, uh, accoutrements um, and then we set up like trusts and lighting and run cable for events and uh, that's like all of my time because I like working and even when I'm home I'm too stupid to be like no relax for a bit I get like cabin fever after three days I'm like gotta gotta do something haven't haven't got a job in days and get kind of institutionalized to the working every single day for months on end thing it, it is like a, like a comforting thing on tour that you like sort of know what's going to happen every day as much as it's different all the time it's still the same routine but it's just in a different location oh, yeah. it's incredibly routine incredibly scheduled i mean yes there are a lot of times where it's it's completely insane and fly by the seat of your pants you have to fucking just throw maybe weather or uh, uh time slot changes any number of a million things you know mechanical mechanical failures whatever you have to figure it out as you go and i mean uh, again kind of the nature of the beast of touring which cuts a lot of people out of it when they can't handle that you know those yeah. extra stresses yeah well it's like incredibly structured and then at the same time as equally structured as it can be it can be the most insane like make it up as you go along experience where it's just like on the obituary tour like we were talking about earlier fucking just a weekend transmission explodes on the van second show what do you do and they ended up missing Boston. I think that was yeah. A, we missed Boston. It's a uh, huge show that day. Yeah, I know. I heard all about it. Yeah. it sucked. We uh, we were we sat in New Jersey in a uh, in a parking lot. Uh, we originally went to a mall place like a Sears or something like that, and they said no, we don't do that. And then we had to like drive very slowly in short distances so it wouldn't overheat. And then we made it to a transmission shop finally. They were luckily very kind. I can't remember the name uh, off the top of my head, but they let us store our trailer there and they fixed our transmission like super cheap and helped us out like huge because they understand the, the, the plight of, of being a band on the road, not making money. And like, luckily, yeah. yeah, it was super, they're super cool. And then, uh, got us on the road in you know a day which was kind of amazing just rebuilt the transition yeah just completely rebuilt it we to make new york um they had it done they just didn't have it all the way installed yet uh so i remember we rented a u-haul and i 
very illegally packed the band dudes and and the gear in the back of the U-Haul cargo van, and then we put a tarp, which was their backdrop over it, so that the uh, the the agents looking when you go through the tunnels and the bridge, the cops wouldn't see them because it's you know not kosher to drive with people in the back of the cargo van. And we actually made it into the city, but on the way out, I was going through the tunnel, and they pulled me over. I guess they saw something move in the back, and then so yeah, I, I never heard the story. Oh yeah, yeah, they realized they realized it was like me, Charles, Adam, all of us are sitting, and I'm sitting up front. I think it was with Charles or Alicia and and of Abysmal Dawn, and they saw somebody move in the back, and we're like. Oh shit! And they pulled this over, and the guy's like, "You know, it's you know illegal for you to have people in the back, blah blah." blah. And I'm like, "Yeah, uh, no, I didn't. I mean, I did, but you're not going to admit that." And um, he's like, "Look, I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm not going to, you know, pull you over or anything crazy, you know, ruin your day." And he's like, "But I am going to make you drive, you know, to the bridge, which where we are at is is bridge." Um, it's not Throg's Neck. Uh, it's, I don't think it's Triborough. But it's all the way at the south end. And you have to go all the way. Instead of going, you know, George Washington, you have to go all the way down. Adds like another hour to our drive. And I'm just, I'm fucking miserable. But I'm like, all right, touche. Yeah, I tried to pull a ruse with you and you caught me. But he, he, you know, it was a fair trade. I fucking deserved it at that point. But uh, it was... It was funny too because they're they're like I guess we don't have to hide anymore so you know pull the pull the fucking backdrop <laughs> off them when they're crouched down trying not to move and Poor shit. guys. Yeah, well, made it work. That's that's tour. We had weird, insane shit just to make it work. But yeah, and then fucking uh, let's see, engine misfires like three different times, starts shaking, overheating. Uh, fucking shook so bad in uh, quad cities that it threw drinks out of the cup holder couldn't go over 30 miles an hour got to the southwest uh it was overheating to the point where it was just boiling fucking coolant out and we had to at one point nobody was allowed to sit in the passenger seat anymore because we just had like stacks of jugs of dex cool on the floor that you would just go refill yeah you just have to refill or otherwise i mean i realized it's really terrible in retrospect though it probably blew a head gasket and it was you know leaking exhaust gases through and it, eventually it was not long for the world but we just needed it it's that it just needed it as cheaply as possible to last us that that last week and a half so we could get to the last show and there's a lot of a lot of patchwork shit like that when you're on when you're on the road where it's oh man how do we do this no not how do we do this how do we do this cheaply that will last just long enough to where we can deal with the real issue once once we have the time and, and the money yeah because i mean shit like that can can literally kill a tour where it's like well heads up we're gonna be working for free the next month yeah, yeah. sorry everything you invested just yeah not. and it's really hard to i mean it's not impossible but it's really fucking hard to have the motivation after that where you're like oh sick free <laughs> i want to do my best especially every- you yeah oh god no no fuck that shit you, you, you like you know, someone that you've hired you, you have to no no i've had that game played with me before they're like so we're not gonna have a merch person because i'm gonna fly home exactly yeah yeah that is very true and they're like what and it's like oh you thought charity was involved no no i'm no. sorry welcome to the adult world goods and our exchange just because just because it rhymes with my last name uh, yeah no me. no no it does no that's when we go from garrity and charity to vulgarity and <laughs> you can fucking you know no that's that that is only there's a one instance where a band tried to get fast and loose with it and luckily all of the gear and the van was rented in my name and they were from out of the country and uh they were like what if we take the van i was like well all the gears in my name, vans in my name, you can take it. And then the cops are going to find you. And then that's more than Grand Theft Auto. And, and, and it's definitely numerous felonies. And uh, I'm fairly certain you'll get deported. That'll be the end of your musical career. So 
I can do math. Those are shitty odds, but yeah, take it. Go for it. We'll see how we'll see what the fuck happens. I'll sit on the side of the road for a laugh in fucking Kansas or wherever fuck we were. And afterwards, I'll get the van back and be like, sick, I got a van and all this gear. Drive home. But I also had all the money at that point, so they really weren't thinking. So it's like, where the fuck was it? Where was your end game here? Like, What is the worst thing that's ever happened to you on a tour? Um, Out of all the years. Oh, God. Um, probably the worst thing I can't talk about necessarily. Um, the worst thing I can talk about. You leave names out. I mean, fuck. Uh, one of the things that a lot of people don't. Um, so, so I don't want to. Sh- yeah, actually, I take that back. I do. I do want to shit on some people's dreams. A lot of people come up to you when they see touring bands, touring personnel, whatever, and they're like, "You must have the best job ever." No, no, the fuck we don't. Not all the time. It's a job, and just like the guy who's you know doing any other job that they enjoy, yes, it's very lucky, and we're very appreciative to have this job and to made a life out of this. But at the same time, it is immensely, immensely stressful. A lot of the time. And there's a lot of things like like emotionally uh, dealing with on the road uh, that are fairly fucking difficult. Like uh, just mental stresses and, and, and see all these articles coming out now about, about musicians and touring personnel having a harder time dealing with mental illness. And that's something I've dealt with my entire life. And uh, it's been incredibly difficult sometimes. And like borderline, you know, fucking unable to be dealt with at other times on the road. And so there have been definitely times where I have like almost fucking massive just breakdowns or you just can't it's been so long you're trying to deal with the emotional stresses of like a relationship from far away or or something like that i've uh i mean to most touring people this is not a new story but i've lost my house while i was on tour and you know it sucks and you're just like oh shit i'm getting evicted i'm gonna be home in three days i guess i'm spending that day moving my shit out and putting into storage and i'll figure it out in a month when i get back hopefully i have the money to pay for the storage unit and all that you know that sort of shit so I mean, that's definitely happened on, on a more than one occasion, so, which is fucking awful. That's fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah. you know, I've been, uh, again, not a new story. Being, not, not in a good mindset throughout that tour. No, fu- I fucking got, got dumped, lost my house. It was a shitty tour. It was very hard to give a shit about anything, and it's, it's definitely one of those things where you have to stop yourself from, like, looking for reasons to just fight people on a daily basis. It's like, is that guy looking at me? No, I'm pretty sure he's looking at the shirt behind you. Fuck him. <laughs> it's like, whoa, calm down there, fucking. Wait a minute, I'm standing in front of a bunch of shirts with lights on them. Yeah, okay, and then you get, it takes a second to process and realize, I mean, definitely been caught in the back of a fucking, you know, trailer muttering to myself, just like trying to process, you know, all of the things in life that I'm dealing with from the back of a shitty van in the middle of winter in fucking Winnipeg or wherever the fuck off we are that day. And <laughs> fuck Winnipeg. No offense to people. Winnipeg. Winnipeg. You're, yeah, exactly. That's the problem. You go to Vancouver, you go to fucking, you know, Calgary, it's cold, it's tolerable. You go there, pew, icicles on icicles. It's awful. I hate it. And almost, it's almost as, nah, they can fight it out with the Maritimes for who's colder in the winter. <laughs> Everybody loses that fight. It's, it's awful. The best tour you've ever been on. Oh Jesus. Best tour I've ever been on. Um, best tour I've ever been on in terms of like just how massive awesome it was in terms of like how we were treated, things like that. Exodus in Europe with heathen suicidal angels. Fantastic. Like, years and years ago playing all summer fest doing kick-ass you know shows at, at venues and just hanging out with one of the most quintessential thrash bands of all time who i ended up becoming you know good friends with and and it was kind of a getting the job was kind of a thing where they had uh johnny Nobbs, great buddy of mine was 
TMing doing front of house and Barker is uh, drum teching and I just toured with both of them uh, prior to that and asking me like oh hey why don't you come to this tour go to the store you've never been to Europe it'd be fun all right who's it with Exodus fuck all right yeah I can't say no to that and then like things get fucked up along the way months go by and finally they play a festival in Tampa the band I was just with prior is playing the same fest and I know a bunch of people there I'm obviously going to it just tons of bands that I, I've been friends with for years and then they show up and we start drinking afterwards and like so weren't you supposed to go with us and well, yeah I, I was things got fucked up and it's like well why aren't you now I don't fucking know I didn't really have a call in that just didn't work out I guess and then a couple more beers I'm like fuck it buy a ticket they leave in three days <laughs> like to go to Sweden to start the tour and it's like one of those like bluff calling where like I literally went and pulled like every dollar I had out of my bank account at the time like I was you know I wasn't I wasn't kicking ass like on the road most of the year I was at that point I was still like working a lot of shitty jobs when I was home making minimum wage just trying to live the dream of going on tour all the all the time and yeah no every dollar out of my bank account fuck it found a ticket for less than that you know we booked it that night went to a fucking I'd go to like three different ATMs because of the limits on the ATMs how much you can pull out in a day and uh, I, had to, I had to call my bank because they tried to, to fuck, freeze, freeze my account. I'm they like, no, you're being I, frauded. I, it's like, I don't have a fucking way to get to your the bank right now, but I got to get this money out now. It's for a flight. It's business, blah, blah, blah. And the fraud prevention's on the phone. Like, well, we noticed there were three different. Yeah, because you put a stupid limit on the ATM. But um, yeah, and then literally three, like uh, they did Sweden Rock and then they did two shows in Greece. And the first show was in Rome. And I remember I flew out and met them in Rome. And like first time leaving, you know, North America, uh, plane for a million hours, fly uh, layovers. Yeah, like Tampa, Toronto. I think it was. Yeah, it was Tampa, Toronto, and then there, and then um, met up with them in Rome. And I remember the first thing I see them we're in, the, in the airport in Rome, and Knobs uh, Barker waiting for me, and they have uh, we call back home a holiday five pack, which is you know five beers because you drank one of them when you bring it to. Sunday. Got it. Got it. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> they have a holiday five pack, or in their case, at the time it's probably a four pack, and. Uh, they had me. I just remember walking through the gate, looking around, like wondering where the fuck I am. Never, you know, been anywhere. I'm like, how am I going to communicate with people? Oh shit! And then I hear, "Welcome to Europe." And I look, and they're both standing there with fucking beers. And my first reaction is like, "What are you doing? You can't do this. You here. can't do this here." And they're like, "No, no, baby, this Over isn't here. America anymore. <laughs> I know it's the land of the free where you're from, but guess what? I'm going to show you what freedom means." drinking while you get your bags at an airport and nobody giving the most remote bit of a shit to try remember i did that the first time i landed it's a great th- it's a really a great feeling though yeah. like the first time you realize you're like i'm just gonna have a beer like an adult and do average everyday things and no one's gonna scream at me like i'm a fucking toddler it's like it's just a beer i'm gonna i'm gonna drink it we're not gonna use it to you know blow up parliament or anything <laughs> calm the fuck down assault anyone yeah uh, yeah because i'm gonna throw a beer at somebody that's okay that's not wasted yeah I, well I'm not, I'm maybe right. a, maybe a course light yeah course light all day i fucking chuck it at somebody it's awful <laughs> i should never be drank by anyone how does your band handle you being gone so much so i met my dudes through various friends tours things like that um uh just over the years and it kind of became this like chicago secondary family thing where it's i have more friends up there than almost any other city in the country so, so they're based out of chicago not yeah for the most part it's all based out of chicago and uh it's always been based kind of around chicago great lakes i mean originally band started in minneapolis and uh adam our singer still lives in minneapolis and um you know john and gary fucking are in chicago in some various form like you know maybe not in the city i don't know how that city works too fucking big um but you know and our new guitar player Jarrett lives down in florida with me um so 
Uh, there's been tours where they do them without me, where I told them like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I don't care. That's the thing. And I don't mean that I don't care about the band. I mean, I don't give a shit if I'm necessarily the one playing it. It's not going to be like, who the fuck is this other guy? Play with, you play with a backing track. You wait for me. Yeah, I don't give a shit. As long as the band sounds good and everybody has a good time and they enjoy it and they can have fun. I'm not, I don't want anybody to be held back on the account of me touring because we all knew that when I got into the band and they asked me like, hey, you want to play on this tour? And I was like, shit, yeah. And then it kind of just went from there. Um, and so they knew me going into it that like touring is my job. And I told them, and they, they told me actually, they're like, hey, if there's ever a tour you have to do, don't fucking turn it down for us. Like, go out and make money with, you know, and pay your bills with bands that do bigger shit than whereas we go out and we, we lose money a lot. So, and that's fine, but it, that's the nature of the beast. Um, and they don't want me to not be able to pay my bills. So everybody in both sides is really understanding about it. And, and there's been tours where I flat out tell them, I'm like, yo, I, I have agreed to this tour for fucking months. A lot of work has already gone into it. And if I leave now, it's going to fuck something up potentially for someone either in terms of me driving or tour managing or doing merch. And I don't want to put that onus on somebody else and be like, hey, I know I told you months ago I do this tour, but find somebody else. Bye. Yeah, like, you can't. You can't. A lot of times you burn can't, bridges. A lot of like times you can't find anybody else, too. Like, I just went through that with another band. They needed someone super last minute i'm like yo everyone i know is out everyone like facebook put a call out share it with your friends and one after another people are like nope busy nope book nope can't do it that's like shit so you don't want some newbie driving you either hell no i don't i'm I'm very very mm -hmm, driving as long as i have i will not send fucking shitheads out with any of my bands it's just i don't need that something bad happens and it's kind of on me because i set them up with it and People take driving very lightly, but also you have to remember that you're in a fucking many thousand pound death machine that could slip or fucking, you know, flip at any moment as too many people I know from touring have dealt with. And it's fucking terrifying. And, you know, it's something a lot of people don't tend to remember is that these bands, when you're pissed off that they're not showing up, just remember, maybe they're not showing up because there's shitty weather or that there's fucking ice. And I mean, you know, you live in Canada. I don't have to tell you about yeah, it. You got to be careful. Yeah. 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 Our, our lives are number one. That is one of, dude, that is like the one thing I have, I've stopped having to do is like when people, it's kind of a tangential thing, but when you go on, you see like bands having to cancel shows and you get those little shithead fans that are all like, why aren't you, you know, they should have fucking tried. I want to reach through the screen and just punch <laughs> their fucking faces in. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to put you behind the wheel of a fucking van with thousands of pounds of gear in it with on an icy, on windy white out. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? I'm going to make you super tired, too, because you had to yeah. play a show and switch off who drove first. And then when you're at your fucking wits end, we're going to throw ice on the road. <laughs> See how you fucking yeah. handle it, you little bastard. Yeah. 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 There's but, nothing worse to being in the band, too, to have to, like, make that decision, too. Yeah. I mean, I've nobody we, wants to cancel a show. I, I, I fucking hate doing it. I've been with bands where it's like a very hard decision, but it's also like, like I've been in, 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 I mean, the, the, the Wyoming, the 80 going through Wyoming is fucking notorious. That's awful. And it's a, it's a, it's the whole fucking state is a giant plateau so it's super high up and the weirdly rolling kind of hills but sort of flat and it's very windy it and freezes fast then yeah, yeah and there's also large stretches of nothing so the salt trucks take forever to get out there and like i've been out there when it's like heavy truck warnings if you're not a semi fully loaded you can't drive <laughs> and you're stuck because there's nowhere to stop so you're driving and you're watching your traction control light blink like it's fucking christmas and then pray that no one's gonna rear end you just white knuckling i've seen dude i've seen semis like uh two bangers going around fucking curves tearing past us and i'm just like yo this guy's gonna fucking flip and then a mile down the road one of the trailers has ripped off and rolled across two lanes a median two lanes and then smashed against trees and it's wow. like wow if that's not it's the he, you drove he drove past you seconds ago like if that's not 
a, a shake that brings you back to reality, then nothing's going to. But have you ever been in a situation where there's been an accident? Yeah, while you're uh, on tour? a really fucking awful um, go tour hate eternal Fallujah a few years ago in that exact area uh, we were in. I remember driving overnight with the go tour dudes and passing out, and then. I was in the driver's seat and just, you know, kind of uh, laying down, fucking hoodie over my eyes, and then being shaken awake, and uh, Ben being like, hey, you got to drive right now, and I'm, like, half into it, and I'm like, whoa, and he's like, yo, you got to drive, and then I realized something is, like, fucking seriously wrong, and uh, Fallujah had fucking hit ice and just flipped. Oh, fuck. And they were, like, miles ahead of us, and it was one of those, like, I just remember going to sleep, and then all of a sudden I'm awake again, and, like, I I thought I had been asleep, like, you know. It's felt like seconds where I'm just like, okay, it's dark. And then all of a sudden it's broad daylight and I don't, and it's, it's fucking terrifying. And I was, you know, and you, in that exact instance, have to pull all of your wits together and be like, all right, something very bad has happened. I am half awake. I need to get it together so we can drive and help them. And I remember we like, we, us hate eternal pulled off the side of the road, like help them get their shit together, waited for emergency vehicles. It was fucking horror show. No one was injured. No, no, nobody was really fucked up, but it was like their van was fucking destroyed. Their trailers all like torn open, like a fucking tuna can. And like, you can talk about it, but, um, there's a term called grokking, which is when you functionally understand in your head what something is. Like, not only do you picture it, but you understand it, you know. And it's very hard to grok what it is like when dudes that you have become friends with, that you've spent a month with on the road, whatever, that, you know, you get intimately familiar with. Uh, all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, yeah, they just experienced a possibly, you know. Life-ending. Yeah, thing. And it's just like that. And it's a very real possibility every time you go out and kind of tend to forget that sometimes because if you think about it all the time you're just it's gonna you know fucking ruin <laughs> you tour. Won't go on tour anymore yeah it's like existential crisis of tour like oh <laughs> fuck i'm gonna die overnight tonight and just never sleep and you know stay up oh god it's, I mean, that is kind of winter touring in canada who am i kidding but we i don't do it i we, we won't do it i know tons of bands that won't do it i'm not, not interested in it at all done two trans canadian tours in winter from vancouver to the maritimes and it, it sucks it's dangerous it's, it's yeah and then you have the great lakes and the fucking separate in the two sides so it's like do you go north do you go south i've done both they're equally terrible one involves numerous border crossings you know in and out of the states mm-hmm. the other one is driving through northern ontario which i wouldn't wish some wish on my worst enemies it's much it's less pretty pretty long it's long, brutal, and like, get fuel now. Next fucking gas station. 700 kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> and then on top of that, it's like whiteout conditions on not the best maintained roads. Windy as fuck. Yeah. yeah so it's like, oh, sick. I have this to look forward to. What do you have coming up next? Um, Home. Home. I'm going home. And then there's some potential stuff. I might, uh, I'm going to talk to... The Obscura dudes in a couple days might go in February, come back. Um, some unannounced stuff that I can't talk yeah. about yet, but yeah. some stuff for uh, March, April. Um, in January, I have to go, well, I don't have to, I want to. I'm going to work with two uh, two different bands. We're working on new material for Wolfhammer, and then I have to finish doing the You Suffer album, and I've been trying to work on for two years, but haven't been home to do. And then, uh, it's a new kind of project that we have in the works um, that I'm going to go work on that as well, which I can also not talk about yet. <laughs> it's okay. But um, 
because a lot of it's not solidified yet so i don't want to say something and then, but how hard is it like to actually write music on the road you it, don't feel it is it. impossible and to be honest as dumb as it sounds i sing it in my phone a lot just to remember oh, oh god yes uh it's the I, it's it's super dumb if i had my old phone the u.s phone i could play some of them and it's real stupid because it's just lots of going da, 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 da. <laughs> and then you listen to it back later and you're like what the <laughs> fuck was i what because half time it's three in the morning and, yeah, it's yeah, left yeah, and yeah. i'm like you get a riff in your head and you can't and to be honest like a lot of it is you listen to music and then you like hear something you're like "Ooh, i can use that if i just change this so then you like try to piecing together ideas yeah I, what is it fucking something about stealing flattery blah 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 music i don't remember but yeah lots of singing into my phone and then going home and trying to listen to it months later and remember what the fuck i was doing but uh so it's, it's hard and it usually involves lots of me sitting for at least one there's a day when i get home where i just sit for hours and fuck around on guitar and kind of get lost doing that but it's fantastic ain't nothing like that so you don't play guitar except really Uh, at home at home yeah like writing stuff and then it's that or it's practicing you know songs that we've written fun fact most bands guys don't know all the songs they wrote if you didn't know that blowing minds they don't know all of them they remember them yeah or fucking remember them hell lyrics guitars all that shit most bands they sit down they listen to the songs they wrote four years ago and go shit how did that go so tab we, it out it's yeah exactly exa- see tab it out when you're in the studio so i have tabbed out many of our the songs in my band that were written before i joined because it made it easier for me to learn but then also we've realized as kind of a humorous thing that over the iterations of the band none of us were playing it right <laughs> yeah exactly but we call it like that's that's artistic interpretation okay different yeah, yeah. people in the band change things put their own flair on it no it's just the songs were old and the recordings were bad so we kind of had to make do with what we had and everybody heard their own little bits into it and so over the years now there's like the live versions and then the cd versions well we had the same thing when because John yeah. wrote a lot of cryptopsy, and when he left and Chris came in, he le- got learned from Alex or learned from his ear, and yeah. then you know, finally, 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 John came back and he was like, "No, no, it's actually like this." Yeah. You know? Well, it's like it's the guitar equivalent of playing telephone, basically. Yeah, yeah, where one person played it this way, and then they heard it, and then they towed it to this person who played it this way, and this way, and, the, and by the end, it's like. It's close, but it's not quite. Yeah, quite yeah. Right. It's like a weird permutation of what the song could be. Yeah, no, that's there's a lot of that, and it's just tabbing things, practicing a lot songs that. I mean, fuck, we did a, our last record, never played the songs together, ever before the studio. Yeah, just tracking. Oh no, no, even post studio, we did, um, we did a tour where we played all the new stuff. And that was it. And that was like the prior to that tour, never once played it together. So we all like separately kind of had to learn it and send each other guitars and, you know, videos and shit like that and figure out different parts. And then you, oh yeah, shit. Hey, how did this part go? What did you play here? And because you're trying to figure out what part you're playing based on what somebody else is playing and you can't remember because you fucking write, you know, half of it comes out of the, the studio and just spontaneity. And so Absolutely. Some yeah. of it's like you bring a demo, but it, in the studio you find something cool and it changes mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. you know, or you spend the entire time in the studio taking mushrooms and not paying attention and chugging <laughs> beer and laughing while they're trying to explain things to you. Whatever works. Yeah. And then you watch both Mortal Kombat's back together. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying the Wolfhammer is the best for everyone, but 
you know, it works. It, work, it works for you guys. Yeah, it works. Well, works is a really loose term. It's starting to work. There's lots of years of it not working, but you got you to break a lot of eggs and fuck up making a lot of omelets before someone says, you're a bunch of shitheads. Get your shit together. <laughs> Been around 10 years. You should know better by now. Get back in the kitchen. Uh-huh. Yeah, seriously. Well, thank you for sitting down with me, drinking some pint. No the Cozell yeah. Dark Lager. It was uh, it was extremely drinkable. I'll yeah. give it that. Yeah. 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 Um, always a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, I had a blast. And, uh, you know, we have many nights ahead of us to keep doing this. Dude, so. we'll stockpile these shits. Yeah. <laughs> More stories. Yeah, let them out when you need them. We haven't even scratched the surface on the I bad know. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we'll hit that in part two. Sick. All the best. Here it is, everyone. Thanks for listening to Vox and Hops, episode number 14. Wow. I hope you guys enjoyed talking to Garrity as much as I did. We uh, we were on the bus together, so we had many, many late night discussions, staying up after the shows, having a few beers, driving to the next city, and uh, we decided that uh, he was far too tame during this interview, and we uh, have planned to do a part two and hopefully a part three when I dig deeper into the darkness, which is Andrew Garrity. Next up on the podcast was the second interview that I did on Hell Over Europe, and and uh, I sat down with uh, the Cryptopsy sound man. His name is Mega. We call him Mega. His name is Mikael. He is from Mallorca, as he likes to tell everyone, which is an island off of Spain. It is a beautiful place, he tells me. People go there, they party, they have fun, but he just happens to live there. And he uh, runs a studio, a recording studio called Psychosomatic Recording Studios. And uh, check that all out. He gives us a little glimpse into the life of what it's like being on tour with Cryptopsy, uh, how he got into touring, um, what it's like living on Mallorca, uh, how he got into recording bands and became that local dude in Mallorca who records metal bands and other rock bands and all kinds of bands. So uh, check that all out next week on Vox and Hops episode number 15 when I sit down with my good friend Mega. If you ever want to become a sponsor for Vox and Hops, shoot me a message at matt at voxandhops.com. All the best. Have a good week and cheers. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? Ha! <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.